Hello and welcome to the very beginning of. Actually, we have no idea what we're calling this yet. Yeah, I just got I podcast. A podcast. <laughs> the very beginning of podcast. I'll just edit in the name there later. Uh, I Simpsons. Yeah, I voted for George W. Bush. <laughs> yeah, too bad there's no video. We can do a video podcast later. That'd be great. And the three of us. Staring at his wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Review from Mystery yeah. Science Theater 3000 was commenting. <laughs> Just the back we, of our heads, all silhouette. We can do some stock podcast video mm. where we cover our mouths and then just uh, edit in. <laughs> edit in. Okay. Uh, anyways, I'm uh, Joseph Robertson. I am the owner and publisher of Coffee Lovers Magazine. We're sitting today at Conduit Coffee upstairs, staring at a brick wall. Uh, to my right, actually it's cement, cement blocks. To my right, it's masonry. Masonry, <laughs> beautiful masonry is Jesse Nelson, owner of Condor Coffee. To my left, John Liberty. Welcome, boys. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, and uh, we're we just we want to talk about coffee and yeah. uh, why we love coffee and many things about coffee and notes. Yeah, lots of notes, lots of coffee notes. Uh, so, John, why don't you start us off? What, um, why are you here? Um, working with Conduit Coffee for two years now, three years almost. Uh, I don't when know how much longer we'll be working together. <laughs> 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 After this show, it might be the last time. Uh, this is John Swan song. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. John's going to make me do so much editing. <laughs> I, I didn't know we were in a lot of cuss. <laughs> I'm going to charge you for being on the show. <laughs> My hours for editing. Yeah. Um, this is a family show. Yeah, right? no. I've always worked in the restaurant industry, so, you know, being a bartender and a server and translate over to coffee was kind of fun. It's, uh, you know, mixology. We get to play with a lot of flavors in the coffees, and um, it's a real unique aspect to drinks. That are just contained with milk and coffee. Yeah. Mm. You get a lot of different flavors out of uh, a different coffee. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because there's coffee's kind of forgotten about in the restaurant industry as such an important culinary aspect of it, and that, you know, it's taken for granted a lot of it. So it's fun to be in a company like this and, and push that envelope, and especially with somebody, especially with somebody like John with such <laughs> background experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, background management experience and stuff like that and working with restaurants and you know, it's a very good perspective to have to uh, for a startup coffee company wholesale it seems like an odd thing for restaurants to look over like uh, <clears throat> I mean especially restaurants that really care about the food and the experience that they provide because coffee is such a universally um, I, I mean pretty much every society around the world enjoys coffee one way or another right. um, uh, culture rather um, but uh, yeah I don't really see any, any restaurants that I know of that really put any kind of focus on coffee like they do on wine for example yeah <clears throat> a few places um, you know they're all pretty fancy restaurants that do that mm-hmm. there's the uh, canless canless mm-hmm. on Queen Anne Hill right above us here that they put a pretty good emphasis on their coffee and they get coffee delivered to them um, it's really difficult. I mean, it takes, it's a whole skill set and it's, you know, it takes a lot of training, and a lot of responsibility 
by the people that are making it and not a lot of return as far as revenue for restaurants. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. the amount of time it takes somebody to make a latte, you know, to take the order and then make a latte and then deliver it and have all the, the perfect coffee and the milk and all that training that goes into that drink, it's as much time as they would probably spend, you know, taking down the orders for the entire meal for a four or five dollar drink. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the I mean, that's always a conundrum with coffee is, you know, you have a food industry that is based around low cost products, mm. but really high <clears throat> expectations for brewing um so how do you I mean, it's hard to balance that and it's hard right. to balance that you know with any kind of financial yeah. sense coffee is a very uh tricky subject for that i mean it does require a lot of training and, and care to get to a certain level yeah. but how do you how do you do that without making the price too much i mean yeah i think you made a point of of showing that you can have great coffee at a decent price right yeah. well and that's reasonable i mean that was kind of one of our goals when we started but it's also just the fact that we are you know an underfunded company with underfunded ideas and how we're going to move forward so we've done everything by hand mm-hmm. and you know we haven't valued our labor at a fair price and so we've put all of our effort into making our coffee available and delicious and as high quality as we can afford without a lot of overhead going towards you know, construction costs or loans or, you know, fancy equipment and things like that. So we're able to offer, you know, very competitive product for less money because um, we don't make any money ourselves. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can make all the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, there's an education level that goes into like wines when you start pairing them with food. And the education level could be translated over to a bartender, to a barista, um, to a sommelier. That, that part of it, there's a lot of people out there that are genuinely interested, I think, in learning the skill and the craft of making these drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the profit margins in making a steak and selling it for $25 versus making a latte and selling it for $5, margins just aren't there. And so I think it gets forgotten. It's, uh, it's a 100% a price point thing for a business that's in it for profit. A lot of training, a lot of staff time and expensive products going in there. So they want to automate it, you know, and that's where these drip brewers for these restaurants, you know, that's that's that technology. Um, it's really cool that some of these companies have recognized that need. You know, yeah. Curtis and Fetco, you know, they've recognized that need that restaurants want an easy system that the bartenders can operate. That's not going to take any more staff time, but then also produce better coffee. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's a lot of advantages to people, obviously not only ourselves, but this new generation of coffee that's really improving the whole quality across the spectrum that now there's companies recognizing this, that, you know, the only barrier, one of the big barriers for restaurants having better coffee or more sustainably grown coffee, not even a quality, but just better environmental and and social footprint for their coffee, that they need to have equipment that can not challenge the business plan of the restaurant, but allows them to use Mm -hmm. different or better coffee. Um, I've heard the the Fetco actually does a, Fantastic job of drip coffee. Yeah, and that's just the kind of industrial drip brewer. Well, it's yeah, it's like, several thousand dollars. I mean, yeah. to get a good one, you know, the the new ones, um, maybe it's not several thousand. Well, <laughs> it's 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 not a it's not a home user's right. It's an uh, expensive piece of equipment. It's a commercial yeah. piece of equipment. Yeah, it's not right. Out. But um, I mean, it's taken years, and what it comes down to is measuring and knowing what the solubility of the coffee is and mm-hmm. how the the slurry temperature. The slurry is the the water coffee mixture inside the filter and monitoring that temperature and having a, a 
drip system that drips the coffee in at consistent rates, keep mm -hmm. that temperature where it is. Um, and then all the computerized systems, of course, to keep that water at the right temperature. Yeah. I think, though, in, a, in future podcast episodes, as we start talking to more baristas outside of our small circle here, um, you're going to find that there's going to be an argument over manual brew and very labor-intensive brewing of the coffee versus fully automated you know, where, where does that line fall for a company that's not as high end or as specialized as a canless, but not as, um, dedicated only to coffee as a coffee shop? Where's that middle ground lie for a restaurant like 13 coins or, you know, more right there where it's not diner, but it's not. Right. Especially for restaurants that have been established for a while. Yeah. You know. Well, and there's a big influx of, of baristas out there that are becoming professional baristas. I mean, you know, for a long time, you'd be like, oh, I'm a server, you know, and how will you, I'm a waiter. Right. Now we have career servers at places that are making great money with very little formal education, but a lot of education in the products that they handle. Well, it's happening in the coffee industry, too, is that, um, you know, with manual brewing techniques, we've got people that are coming out with ideas that people want to mimic you know they see that you know the last person that won an aeropress brewing competition now everybody wants to brew that way until the next thing comes and uh, that's all on those baristas and those individuals that are creating right. it i don't okay. it's just occurred to me, I, I and i don't know if this is exactly true but my understanding is that kind of the those chef's hats you know the big poofy chef's hats mm -hmm. with the with the pleats in them yeah. that there's i think 214 pleats or something and those mm -hmm. are all the different ways that eggs can be cooked in the traditional yeah. French huh. cooking okay. way. And maybe I'm making this up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I believe it. It's a good story. It sounds good. It's a good story. But, but then, so, fact checking. Yeah, factcheck.org. That's <laughs> my other website. Uh, um, go ahead. <laughs> creating a business for myself. The, uh, but that there's so many ways to cook eggs and so many different ways to use that product of nature that, you know, it's actually a culinary tradition to learn all those. And you don't get this hat that represents your knowledge until you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and you know, baristas are kind of the same thing. Like there's so many different ways and different parameters and types of coffee and everything. And really, in order to be classified as a, you know, a proper barista, I mean, it really, you have to know this stuff. Oh. And you have to do it. And you, you know, usually work for pretty damn close to minimum wage. <laughs> Just to practice. Usually after work pretty close to minimum wage. <laughs> I, I think Dam is fine. Dam's fine. Dam is fine. I'll, is I'll fine. look it up. If if it's not, then I'll replace Dam with bleep. No. Oh. Okay. With mudslide. <laughs> with mudslide. <laughs> that is not okay. That should be bleep right there. I'll replace it with darn. Darn. <clears throat> um, so. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting because um, I think also you have to. But you definitely have to look at the perception of the consumer because that's really what, what drives all of it. And someone going to a restaurant, uh, you know, the typical person going to a restaurant is probably not going to care about is my coffee in a Kalita Wave or in mm. being done in a Camex or something like that. Yeah, but if I got and a bad drink from the bar, I'd send it back. If I got a undercooked steak or an overcooked steak, right. I'd send it back. Right, but perception of coffee is that you know, whatever bad coffee is, it's not necessarily bad coffee. Well, yeah. Um, there is no definitive line in what is a good cup of coffee, right. I guess. I think there are um, some lines. I just think that those lines have been blurred by uh, expectations yeah. being warped 
by yeah. companies that push, for instance, burnt coffee. Yeah. Right. Well, I think, well, I think generations. Burnt, burnt is burnt. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But generations of people now that that's yeah. the flavor of coffee that they're used to and that's what they want. You know, we say this a lot, but there's so much more to the routine of coffee. I mean, coffee is all about the routine. What are mm-hmm. people expecting for that taste in the morning? And there's so much more to just the addiction than caffeine. I mean, there's an addiction to the flavor. There's, you know, the endorphins that are released. There's an addiction to the, well, the milk the- and the sugar and the fats and proteins and the timing. And so, you know, having a coffee that can work with heavy amounts of sugar and cream to make those other addictions palatable mm-hmm. as well. I mean, that's all part of the yeah. scene. And there's thing. the entire experience. And that's fair. Yeah. too. Um, yeah. Well, I think that with, you know, a lot of the micro roasters, we lean a lot more onto the light roast end of the coffee than to the medium to dark end. But for what last six decades, people have been moving from stale ground coffee in a can to coffee shops that mass produce like a McDonald's of coffee out there. Um, and they're, Buying that coffee, I think, because it's genuinely easy to brew. It's not the the newer roasters seem to have this trend that is um, maybe a little bit more difficult to brew the coffee correctly to have it have it always taste perfect every time. And these old school owners want something that their customers are happy with probably first. But second is the ability to brew it without as many mistakes right and that's that's i mean from from a roaster perspective that's that's the that's what's easy you know consistency yeah the consistency um a medium darker roast i mean that's that's an equalizer it equalizes the flavors in the beans you're starting to take out some of those origin characters and you're imparting your your roaster characteristics and so that's going to make those flavors that are a lot more consistent and they're not dependent on the farm as much and not dependent on the import and export and all the storage as much. Right. So you can have a coffee that's consistent and that's also the very much the traditional Italian method, you know, and um, we're so used to Brazilian coffees here, Brazilian and Colombian coffees here in America that, you know, those are flavor profiles that we're looking for that are those medium roasted Mm -hmm. flavors. Um, But I, yeah, so something that's consistent, and that's a challenge. You know, light coffees are very finicky, too, when you brew them. I mean, you put a really, really light coffee into an auto drip, um, you're not going to have, it's just not the care, you're not going to get the agitation you need to get those flavors out, and then it's going to sit in an air pot, and then it's going to be pumped out with air again into your cup, and it's going to just be aerated, and all that stuff really affects those nuances of light coffees. And then you add milk and sugar onto it, and all you do is taste the milk and sugar at that point. You right. don't actually taste any of the coffee. And people notice that they're not tasting coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they're still getting the same volume of caffeine intake. They'll notice it in their body, but they're not going to notice it in the flavor. And part of that flavor of a milky drink is also some of that coffee. You know, if we really tried to dive in and explore what it takes to produce coffee from the farm to the cup and go step by step through that and start talking to people from each area there, you're going to find that no matter what division of the coffee process you're in you're going to find um truths you know false and myths behind it it's a you know somebody may believe that a process on a coffee is one way better than another and they're going to turn out to be true they're going to turn out to be false and this could be a real good education program for everybody to actually learn what does a farmer believe makes their coffee the best what does 
the roaster believe makes their coffee the best? What's the barista believe? And what does the customer believe? Because in mm-hmm. the end, if we're talking about coffee as a business, it only really does matter how the customer perceives it. Because they're going to be the ones voting with their money on how this industry goes. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to be a mass production, over-roasted, you know, easy to, to get your hands on coffee? Or is it going to be a bottle of wine that you may buy a really nice bag of coffee, but you buy that one bag a month, you know, or do you buy a case? Do you belong to a program, you know? Well, I think uh, consumer expectation of experience is is certainly uh, the major factor. And from a marketing perspective as a business, ideally you go and you find the, the hungry crowd. Yeah. Uh, so what is the hungriest crowd in terms of coffee right now? It's, it's Starbucks. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's right. uh, well. uh, coffee that's drowned in milk and sugar yeah. or bitter, over-roasted, that sort of thing. There are pockets of, of, of people who have altered their expectation of experience mm-hmm. uh, and who are interested in things, um, you know, interested in coffee from a different perspective, uh, possibly intellectual. <laughs> Uh, in in certain ways, um, but uh, who who look more at the craft, perhaps, uh, who are more interested in uh, the nuance of flavor, um, and and something which is perhaps arguably uh, prepared properly. I did air quotes, and we're we're not on a video. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, but uh, air quote. <laughs> I think that. It's. I mean, it, it makes it. It makes it much more difficult to, uh, for the for the industry from a, a specialty perspective to move forward, when the biggest hungriest crowd is not hungry for what you have, and it requires uh, an altering of experience, right. expectation yeah. in order to open that up. You know, education. Anyway. Well, and that's yeah. something that we all can work on as small roasters. You know, I mean, we, we learned right away when we opened that we needed a darker blend. You know, when we worked on it, it was, it was one of the harder blends we had to work on. You mm-hmm. know, because it's not really our palate. Um, it wasn't really in our intentions to do it. And then we, but we needed to do it. And we saw a lot of it, you know, because there's those people. And so what, what we're able to do, and I think Condo is doing pretty well, is have, you know, really high quality medium and, and fairly dark roast. And we're not, we're not ruining the coffee because we are buying nice coffee, but you know, so many of these people that are used to darker coffees are forced then because they want something a little darker, a little more, more meat on it, but then they're forced to have, you know, mediocre or subpar coffee, you know, from roasters that really don't care, you mm-hmm. know? So having a nice medium or, or, you know, darker roast with high quality beans makes all the difference, you know, and we've been really successful with our blends like that. It's a tough pill to swallow as a barista when you <clears throat> put in this great care to pull a shot of coffee that you know um, you're paying $11 a pound for, for a customer that is there spending money and their, their money is just as good as anybody else's. And you say, you know, how's your cup of coffee? And they go, that's no, okay. And it's because it's not meeting the expectation because you know that you've expertly pulled that uh, shot of espresso, you've poured their milk, you've done everything that you've been training to provide to that customer, either via on your own accord, through your own general interest in the coffee industry, or you're being trained 
through a business that's paying you an hourly wage to provide the best product to their customers. And then you have a customer that says that it's okay for $4 or it's okay for $5 instead of being genuinely wowed by what you've presented to them as a barista. And it's difficult. I mean, I would think that it's the same as a bartender making a martini and the customer sending it back or, you know, I mean, cooking a steak and not having it, you know, accepted by the, by the customer at the table. Um, You want to think that you're always trying to produce the best for the customer and, that's what they're paying for. Right. And when it doesn't meet their flavors that they're expecting for the palate, um, that immediately decreases. It's, it's kind of like ugly plating. Right. You know? Well, that's the hard part too. I mean, you don't, you don't want to have to educate every single person that's going to come in and tell them why this coffee is amazing. No, no, it might be no, light and fruity. We have that Ethiopian. And it's yeah. beautiful. But it's certainly not for everybody. Because no. it, it's a totally different flavor and it's not what people are expecting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's an you know, and if they're excited to learn... Completely different experience of coffee. Right. If they're excited to learn, then it then it works out well. But you know, if it's not something that I would advocate somebody buy for the first time. Uh, no. I think uh, I think the properly roasted medium dark uh, properly roasted darks or, or dark medium coffees are are a brilliant spot for beginning to alter someone's expectation. And by properly roasted, I mean uh, uh, you know dark enough that you have imparted the the uh flavors of roast <clears throat> caramelization of the sugars that sort of thing uh the influence of the roasters in there but it's not burned yeah right. um it's it's like a perfectly cooked steak yeah. Yeah. uh and you get that coffee flavor because i think that's you know someone who hasn't experienced the lighter coffee like the ethiopian which is 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 more akin to tea, yes, than coffee. Uh, you know, someone who hasn't had that, they're expecting the coffee flavor, right? Which again, I air quoted. Well, and what's the definition of of coffee? And the definition of <laughs> the coffee. Definition. Well, that, I, I think mean, I've, I think anyone who's you know the coffee flavor, we kind of know what the coffee flavor is. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's uh but we've put a lot of emphasis on the coffee notes you know i mean we've right. all seen notes you know, but that's such notes. a that's such <clears> just <throat> a social marketing thing that we talk about i mean there's really important flavors that we can all talk about yeah. when we when we taste these things yeah. but the emphasis on this and that kind of i call it the capitol hill scene of coffee is not nearly as far reaching in this industry as we all want it oh, to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We are definitely coming from, you know, um, especially the from coffee a, capital of the world. Right. But, but being a wholesaler where, you know, our primary concern is not to go buy a bunch of light coffees because we're cafe owners. Yeah. And we want to have a hopper full of light coffee mm-hmm. and serve that to our customers because that's the scene we're trying to make. We're wholesalers. Yeah. You know, so we're trying to get our light coffee out to those cafes, but we're really, you know. Trying to keep the door open too. Right. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're doing a hopper, you know, three, five pounds of coffee, those aren't bills that are going to pay, pay our bills. Those are, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw a lot more of the espressos going to the cafes that just pump out the coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the reality of it. Um, it's, it's a really important subject uh, in the coffee industry. I don't know if just the actual sale of coffee, you know, how, what it takes to be in the coffee business as far as selling coffee versus what it means to have good coffee. What is good coffee? Um, what are people's opinions on what makes a good cup of coffee? Um, they're very different ideas. You it's, know? it's so personally subjective. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think yeah, I, I like to I like to revolve around the idea of, of um, 
more, more around technique in the preparation and the roast. Because there are definitely ways to not roast properly. Yes. You can burn the roast. Yeah. You can under roast or uh, the term I've heard before is bake. Oh, yeah. Where it's roasted, you know, kind of too long and it gets kind of, I don't know, like flat. Yeah. In a way. Um, There's also uh, storage of green coffee. There's storage of roasted coffee. I mean, we've done that test before. You know, we, we had all those coffees yep. that we stored. Mm -hmm. um, different storage techniques are really important. But, yeah, all those things are almost more important when you're talking about what coffee is. Now, when we're talking about the business aspect of it, of course, you know, a sale is a sale and that's what keeps the doors open. And that's what allows you to provide the fun coffees, the, the real unique coffees, the ones that you personally have a genuine interest in. Um, Unless yeah. you uh, have built a business around that. Yeah. Uh, because if you can get your marketing right, then you can. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> And that, but and there's, but that market isn't as large. That's true. You know, in a place like Seattle, you know, Milstead <clears throat> is fantastic. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of space in a city as educated coffee-wise as we are. And with the availability oh. of roasters and the educated clientele, there's yeah. simply just not that much space for you got more than, yeah. you know, a couple of I wouldn't want to insult anybody in any too. state, but I'm sure that there are plenty of states that you could go to with our coffee or anybody's coffee. I mean, I could take some of the right. best coffee in Seattle and I could take it say to my parents and they're not probably going to enjoy it because the industry itself is in a different direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people out there that still like, you know, the plain domestic bottled beers right. versus the micro beers. And quite honestly, there's probably more States out there mm -hmm. that you would see drinking that type of product well, even, over the products that we're receiving. Here, right. I mean, even though know? stats on beer, the, yeah. the entire, you know, microbrewery collection, segment of the specialty beer is smaller than the Budweiser selection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, so you put these things in scale. We all, everybody now knows about microbreweries and yeah. can find these beers so much so that Budweiser's coming out with shock top and those ones that look yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like micro yeah, you know, and the same thing with coffee, except it's so much different scale. I mean, specialty markets, 1%, 2%. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe in Seattle, I bet it's even 10%. It's not even that much in a place like Seattle. Well, it makes the competition. Very difficult, but it also I think competition breeds quality product um, at a, at a reasonable price. Um, it does seem like around here that there is a price point that you know any of the average names do hit. They all seem to fall at at a retail level at least. I've seen some wholesale prices that are a little higher than what I I think that they should be after tasting the coffees, but um, their business themselves have. Um, created that, you know, they've, they've done well previously and then they're able to have that price point and people are willing to pay it, but you get outside the city and people aren't willing to pay that. I mean, I was up in Alaska and I looked at the coffees up there and I wasn't happy with any of the coffees that I had, but when I looked at the prices, they were easily 50 cents more cut. Well, that's, that's you the know? paradox that we're in too, is that, you know, you go outside of Seattle, you know, you go mm -hmm. from Stumptown or wherever Millstead here in Seattle. Mm -hmm. You buy your latte mm -hmm. and you go, you know, you fly off to Phoenix and you're at the Starbucks at the Phoenix airport mm -hmm. and that latte is the same price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For terrible quality milk, you know, I mean, it's all it's, much larger. Yeah, all atom, you know, uh -huh. automated and yeah. not as much care put into it. I mean. Right. And so, and so that's that paradox. And that's different than most food 
industries here is that you get to those really high quality products and the high quality skills going into it like a chef, but you're not paying more for it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. how do you do that? And, you know, you look at some of these other companies are really trying to battle that and charge more for their coffee because they deserve it mm-hmm. yeah. or, you know, and they really do deserve it. But. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, I think we could go on and on and on. Yeah. About the subject, and I'm sure we'll return to it. Um, yeah. Like the idea of talking about uh, quality uh, of technique versus. Um, uh, I don't even know. Shoot. We paused for a while, and now my brain's derailed. Well, I think it's, yeah, it's quality versus. Um, well, obviously, you know, if you love what you love, then that's what you love, and that's great. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Are you sure? I think so. Okay, I don't want you I'm to go on sure. record saying that. I will. If I will go on record with what they love. I will go on record with that. If you love what you love, then that's what you love. Excellent. I, I you may quote me. I would give you a high five. <laughs> um, do, do you guys want to say anything before we wrap yeah. up? Should we just, uh, should we just, <laughs> awkward, <laughs> should we just awkwardly end? Yeah, just, because just I'm fine off, with an awkward end. Like applauding ourselves. Okay. Okay. Right mid sentence. All right, I mean, we're good. I, I really that's do it. think. Oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, you're gonna edit it out. I see how it is. No, I mean. I,